0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm
1: your host, Ben Standing. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. I'm trying to talk a little softly at the moment. I'm out at the park. Some of my colleagues are in the main media room doing some work, and there's not many people left, so any noise, you can kind of hear, you know, so I'm trying to be a little bit quiet, but nonetheless, the show is going to be plenty loud for you. The guest today, former Washington coach Jay Gruden, primarily, I just talked about Sam Howe, I just wanted to get his view, you know, I know that JJ does a lot of interviews, but he's a guy who's an offensive former offensive coordinator played quarterback in college in the arena football league like he knows the position he's now been watching sam all year we talked to him earlier in the year and i wanted to get his view of where he's at with sam and not just hey he's playing well but like what are some of the traits that make him unique and then where do, what's the things that he needs to work on so We'll get to all that in a bit, and I'll share some thoughts going into this game against Seattle here in a moment on the Standard Group Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you do your podcasting. Hit that subscribe button. It it does help a lot. If you're an iTunes person uh, and you have a moment to drop a rating and review, awesome as well. It really helps the cause. And I, I tend to say this more at the end of the show. When I'm signing off, but I really do want to say I really appreciate everybody for staying with the podcast um, and, and checking it out, subscribing, uh, nice comments. Really, it, it's you know, great to, to form a bit of a community here. Uh, and then, uh, you know, obviously the more you guys uh, enjoy it, like it, all those kinds of things, and it helps let, let other people know that we're here, and I hear that helps. Um, so we'll do all that in, now, uh, up on The Athletic today. I had a Sam Howell story. It's it sort of, for me, it was like sort of a genesis of a thought of like, forget 2024. Where is he now? Right now, if we had a, you know, a rankings list, and you can obviously point to all the various stats. Um, <clears throat> but what's, what do we think? Where is he now? And so I asked a couple people around the league about that. And also just where do they, you know, what's their, what's their view on how Jager and I mentioned and some others. As well, so um, good. I think it's a good story there. Check that out on the Athletic. Also had predictions early in the er, for for the remainder of the year earlier in the week. And one prediction I think came into this game, Seattle. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this with uh, Al Galdi the other day. Which of course, if you missed that podcast, uh, definitely check that one out. Um, I, I really do think this is a a make-or-break game for Washington to keep their chances of getting into the playoffs. Now, obviously, the whole NFC bottom, you know, from the top six down, after the top six, you know, it's a pretty weak year. The Vikings are right now the seventh seed at 5-4. and Washington's only a game back. We know the Vikings have lost Kirk Cousins. They have Josh Dobbs. But obviously, you know, it's hard to see them definitively keeping this winning streak going. But, you know, who knows? And then right after them, it's Washington and Atlanta. So there is wiggle room. But you kind of have to think in my head, you're going to have to get the nine wins. Uh, I mean, it could be 8-9, but, you know, obviously that's like a, you know, sort of back in because everybody else also fell apart. But to get the nine wins at 4-5, and five, obviously you got to win five of the last eight. We can let's just say for argument's sake we we give them the Giants win next week knowing the Giants are down to you know, third string quarterbacks. If you beat Seattle this week, not only are you would you then be six and five, and you need to win three of the last you win three of the last six games, which in and of itself won't be easy. But you know there's game with the Jets who you know obviously are. Very good defense, but, you know, questions at quarterback for sure. You've got the Rams game out in L.A., a team that's got a worse record than Washington right now. You've got that Dallas game, Week 18. Maybe Dallas sits their people, maybe they don't. But either way, we know how these things go. These teams can often split even when you wouldn't imagine it. So that's kind of what they would have to do to get in and that's you know a lot of ifs and buts and all that kind of stuff. There's not going to be too many games that they're going to be favored in at this point. The Giants would be one um, maybe the only one frankly. But if you don't win the Seattle game now all of a sudden in addition to what I just said you're going to have to win somewhere here. Miami here. San Francisco here. Um, th- th- there are not a lot of games that you can point to and, you know, say how they're going to get all those wins. So that's why I think this game against Seattle is pretty pivotal um, to have a shot. So anyway, that would be my view on why this game matters so much. Now, in terms of the game itself, what are we thinking for? Um, you know, what are some of the keys of the game? I wanted to run through a couple things here. First off, in terms of Seattle, um, Geno Smith is such an interesting career. He's had... Big big comeback year last year. Obviously, Seattle's got those two excellent receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Metcalf, he's a, he's a scary presence anyway, but because he's basically an A.J. Brown clone physically, and we know what A.J. Brown's done in Washington this year, makes you a little bit uh, concerned. But um, w- one thing to note here, according to True Media, is that Geno Smith, good or not, whatever you think of him, he struggles in the red zone this year. He has the NFL's worst red zone completion percentage. Um, it's an NFL high. 19% of his red zone attempts have been broken up by opposing defenders as opposed to just 24 outside the red zone, which is the second lowest rate in the NFL. What's interesting about that is, so obviously, they're slowing down in the red zone. Washington is 14th in opponent to red zone efficiency at 51.7%. They're actually six when it comes to goal to goal situations at 58.3. So that could be, and obviously, so many Washington stats are based on obviously having Montez Sweat and Chase Young, but nonetheless, everybody else is in play. And, uh, you know, the the, the defense is, uh, you know, that's what they've done this year. So we'll see about that. But that's an interesting scenario there. Maybe Geno can drive it, but is he going to be able to punch it in even if they get deep enough? Um, Washington, by the way, I was just looking this up because I was on this page, uh, third down conversions, opponents conversions there, they're dead middle of the pack, 39 and a half. Um, they they were tops in the league last year. They were all the way towards the bottom earlier in the year. Now they've moved into the middle. Uh, they are all over the place. Um, speaking of, uh, pass or all, I guess I wasn't speaking of pass rush per se, but I was mentioning. Those linemen. But speaking of the pass rush, um, in this past game against New England, Washington pressured Mac Jones on 21.7% of his dropbacks. That's Washington's lowest rate in any game this season. Now, the way Jack Del Rio put it today, and I don't think he's accurate. You know, Mac Jones was getting that ball out quick. He's one of the, you know, he gets it out about as quick as almost anybody. In the league, and when you're, when that's happening, you're not going to be able to get to the quarterback. So I think that's something there, but this will be another ex- game to see what can they generate without Sweat and Young. Um, you know, Smith, Williams, and Two Hill, totally solid. Obata as well, but they're not the same, you know, playmakers as those guys. And this is where John Allen and Jaron Payne you need to get more done. Payne only has one sack this year and um you know allen's had a bunch of pressures but has not He's only has three sacks in his own right um so not great there but we'll see um i should not say it's not great we'll just need to see you know we need, to need more data to see what it's going to look like without Sweat and young and see with a different quarterback who might be willing to take more dropbacks to get the ball down the field um speaking of uh in terms of the pass rush for the other side we know Sam Howell has been sacked only four times in the last two games. A significant improvement, especially knowing how much Washington is throwing the ball over what we've seen. Coincides, of course, with the Tyler Larson and Chris Paul uh, starting out on the offensive line, plus Eric Bieniemy changing up the play calling for a little quicker passes and, I think, being more realistic with what Washington is working with. That said, Seattle, they are ninth. In the NFL, in QB uh, sack rate, so sacks per attempt. Boye Mafia, Mafi, their second-year defensive end, he's got sacks in six straight games. Uh, so <clears throat> I think this is going to be um, a stiffer test for this group compared to um, this past week. Uh, yeah, obviously Philadelphia's got plenty of pass rushers, so I'm not saying, you know, they haven't gone up against a good defense. I'm just saying Seattle's going to be... An interesting one for sure, and there will be, you know, one of the arguably noisiest crowd setups in the league. Sam Howell's gonna, and the offense are gonna have to do a good job with their um, signals and efficiency. They may not be, and same thing on the line if they're switching up uh, protection and and uh, whatever else their formations, things like that. So, this could be interesting against a team that gets after the quarterback. Can the offensive line continue? to hold up. Um, last thing on, on, on this, um, Sam Howell, as I said, I wrote a story kind of about getting a view of where is he right now? What makes him unique? Um, where does he need to work, to work on? The one thing that keeps jumping out to me, um, you know, when we, again, when we saw him last year, he just didn't even talk much from when we were in the locker room, pretty quiet guy. And that's kind of just who he is. But he's also even-keeled, and that demeanor stays with him. Even we saw last week, throws that bad interception right before the end of the half, comes back out, and still keeps throwing aggressively. Jahan Dotson touchdown throws to McLaurin and all that. Um, And you talk to the players, you talk to Rivera, they always mention he's just on to the next play. And we hear this a lot, right, in sports. You hear the things, people will say the things about guys that, they almost want to be true, but in this case, it really does seem to be the case. And so the other day, uh, Wednesday, I asked Sam, how is it that like he does seem to be able to be even keel? Is that something he's learned, or is that just his nature? And uh, here's what he said, quote, For as long as I can remember, this is kind of how I've always been. I guess you could say it's kind of how my dad always coached me to be. His dad's a football high school football coach. But yeah, I mean, as far as I can remember, it's kind of how I've always been. My dad would always tell me, it's always about the next thing. It's not about what just happened, it's always about what you're going to do after it. You're never judged for the mistakes you make. You're judged for how you respond to those mistakes. End quote. Um, first off, there's some good life lessons in there. Right? Don't don't look back. You know, learn and move forward. I think that's a good good approach. Um, but it really is, I think, some of the The secret sauce as to why this kid seems to play well, because, you know, so many times you see a quarterback or, you know, anybody make a mistake and things can spiral. And with his case, he just does not seem to do that. And that's why, to me, he's becoming so intriguing. He's got the big arm. He's willing to take chances. And he has this resolve There's things he obviously still needs to work on. But, you know, that's a pretty good baseline already. Especially from an attitude standpoint, and then you can look at um, Next Gen Stats said he has he's the only he he leads the league with five completions that are had like a less than 20% probability of being completed. Um, he is taking chances and he's hitting them. Um, that the throw to Dotson this week I'm not positive if that was one of the under 20s, but obviously that was a perfect throw um, right in stride to a guy running full speed. Uh, he had a throw last week against Dodson, and to Dodson uh, right before the half. That was also a um, one of those, like, really, you know, how did the ball get there kind of plays. So <clears throat> lots to like about Sam Howell, but I do think this will be a very interesting game for him on the road against a Seattle team that just got absolutely blasted by the Ravens last week. They're going to need a big turnaround how will that affect Washington's offense? We will see. Um, all right. Um, oh, by the way, just a quick note, uh, Curtis Samuel was a limited practice today with the toe injury as well, two days in a row limited. I guess just I would say just follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig um, for uh, immediate updates as to whether or not he will be available. I really don't want to speculate considering the player involved, but um, obviously one thing is in Washington, they've got some depth with Byron Pringle. Um And Jamison Crowder behind McLaurin and Dodson, So, want your best guys out there, but they have options if he's not. All right, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with former Washington head coach, Jay Gruden, talking about Sam Howell and where he's at halfway through his first year as a starter here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, excited to welcome back to the podcast, Guy. You never hear anywhere anymore because he's very much uh, under the radar. Oh, wait, I'm kidding. It's former... uh... Washington head coach, Jay Gruden, who is literally every, everywhere I turn, he's on, he's talking to somebody about this team, the league, he's on the, uh, he does stuff for the 33rd team. Like literally you went from like, eh, I don't know. I guess I'll do some of this to you're like everywhere now.
2: I don't know about everywhere. I do a couple shows a week with 33rd team. And then my son has a show taking the points. We do that, have some fun for trying to predict the games, which is damn near impossible in the NFL. And then I do a couple with Grant and Danny and Chris Russell. So it's fun.
1: Um. Oh, look, and Kevin Sheehan, you you've got a. Uh, oh, Kevin Sheehan. How could you forget Kevin? I I couldn't. That that's why. Like, I feel bad even bothering you. You're like all you're like you know you're already doing a hundred things. Um. By the way, to your point of like predicting games, I feel like I mean I know like you were you're, you're typically on the other side being in the games. I feel like this year is absolutely nuts. I I mean like there's always like there, there's the haves and the have-nots and then every everybody else is in, in the middle somewhere, but that that middle it's like the fourth team to like the 28th team. And there's almost week to week, no difference between the two. I don't have, I don't know how anybody's making money gambling this year.
2: I don't either. And then you throw the referees at it and it's, it's chaos. So you just never know what's going to happen in a game. And you know, some teams come out to play and momentum shifts and some teams can't get it back and then turnovers hit and then penalties hit. And you saw the cowboy game. I mean, they were inches away from, winning that football game and they end up losing, but you know, it's just, it's just crazy.
1: And then we didn't even mention, you know, obviously quarterback is always such a driving factor with success or failure, but the quarterback play is just this year. I mean, even some of the guys that, that we normally associate at the best are good, obviously, but like, they're not like being overwhelming. And that's not even factory in Kirk cousins is out. Aaron Rodgers is out. We've had a lot of other injuries. Uh, as well I, I don't the quarterback play to me in general is just underwhelming
2: yeah I think a little bit of that and I think defenses are playing a lot better I think there's a lot lower scoring games this year than ever points are way down for whatever reason passing yards are way down um, and I think defenses, good defenses have a have a lot to do with that
1: you know We're going to talk about Sam Howe primarily, but obviously part of the Sam Howe story has been all the sacks, obviously, right? And a lot of that we've discussed is on him, and he's you know, learning to get rid of the ball quicker and all that. But the offensive line obviously has not been that great. They've been better the last two weeks um, with some of those changes. But I bring up the offensive line to say, when we talk about quarterback play being down, how much do you think is that on the offensive line? Because every time I talk to somebody, a, a town evaluator or a coach, They often mention how the offensive line; these guys coming out of college are just often not ready, even the first round picks, and that's really been causing problems. How much do you think of that as a factor in what we're seeing with these offenses not scoring?
2: A lot, and then you add some injuries to some key people, and then the backups just aren't quite as good, obviously. And but you're right; offensive line depth is very limited in the NFL. It kind of was when I was in there a couple years ago. You could see it kind of. Uh, going to the wayside a little bit uh, as far as depth is concerned and it's very hard to keep those five guys healthy for 17 weeks and if you do you're probably going to be pretty successful but not many teams can uh, keep those guys healthy for that long of time and then the backups come in and they're just not ready they're just not ready to play.
1: Um, all right well we may come back to some of the aligned play specific to Washington but I wanted to have you on we're essentially the midway point I don't know what the midway point is 17 games but we'll just call call that it is um and get your view of of sam Howell. he's obviously had he's coming off a couple of really good games he's obviously made progress he's also two weeks away from that giants game where the offense was awful
2: so where are you at with sam Howell just broadly after uh nine games i'm impressed with sam i really have been the entire year despite the sacks you know i i lay the sacks on a couple different reasons offensive line you mentioned me, their inability to pick up some of the stunts and then some of the protection schemes weren't Uh, beneficial for Sam and that could be on Sam that could be on the center it could be on the offensive coordinator I don't know but now they're starting to get with it you can see him a lot more protected he's able to set his feet and throw the ball he's able to get the ball out quickly they implemented a lot of screens for him so he can get the ball out of his hands get some confidence early in the game so he can step and throw with some confidence and anticipation and he's he's doing that I've seen Sam make every throw necessary to be a good quarterback in the National Football League now, to do that on a consistent basis, that's where we have to continue to evaluate him in these next coming weeks, eight weeks or seven weeks, whatever it is, see how he continues to progress uh, with the similar concepts that he's going to see against different defenses and different people and how he reacts. And uh, But I can just see the difference in him. The last two weeks, he's been very impressive to me. Um,
1: it seems to me that like a lot of these quarterbacks have the arm talent to make those throws that you want. The question is, can they do it in the game when they're getting uh, blitzed, when things are falling apart, whatever it may be. And he doesn't see, he seems to be so resilient. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to get too high, too low. This last game throws the terrible interception in the end zone right before halftime, comes back in the second half and starts attacking down the field again. Um, how, is that an impressive trait to you that his resiliency, that the willingness to continue to make? to attempt those throws? Because I feel like some guys just get so conservative, the dink and dunk. Is, is that something that stands out to you?
2: It's an incredible trait to have. A lot of times if you get sacked often, then you're uh, timid in the pocket. You get a little scared. You start throwing things away real quickly. Um, you can tell that it has an effect on his feet in the pocket, but it doesn't with Sam. When you throw an interception, you're more timid to throw a ball down the field or throw a ball in a tight window. You may not do it or attempt it. Not Sam. He's going to attempt it the next time. He's got a real short memory, which is a good thing for a quarterback. You have to have a short memory. You have to learn from your mistakes, not make that same mistake again. But you can't let one play affect the next play. And I think that's the best trait that Sam has. He doesn't let a sack affect his next play. He understands that the protection will be could be sound on the next play. So he steps into throws. And if he makes a bad throw, he just goes right on to the next play and turns the page and, and, and attacks the defense. That's what I like most about Sam and his game right now. So.
1: I I always like uh, I, everybody knows this who listens to that I always end up making NBA analogies uh, for, for my for my football thoughts. Um, when I would watch basketball players, you know, there are some traits like the guy can't make a jump shot to save his life when he comes into the league. But with repetition, often that player can become competent, if not pretty good. But there are some things like just a fundamental understanding of like how the game works where guys have it or they don't instincts. Or maybe in the case of what we're talking about with Hat with Hal, a certain level of grit—is it one of those traits? What you're saying that you like most about him—that like you either kind of have it or you don't. You really can't teach a quarterback to have what you're talking about with Sam, that ability to stay in there even when you're getting hit, even when things are kind of falling apart.
2: Yeah, that's what. That's why you have to watch him play in games. You know, you have your practice players that can throw great in seven on seven. Great anticipation, great accuracy, but until they get hit in the mouth, until they get sacked, until they make a mistake on game day and see how they react, that's what makes a quarterback, in my opinion. Mental toughness is something you can't grade on a film. You have to see it in person, on your field, in your locker room, and how he handles adversity. And Sam looks like he just dusts it right off his shoulder without an issue. He just goes on to the next play, and that's used to to be what I used to preach, is always on to the next one. We just got to move on to the next play, forget about the last play, forget about the last game. And Sam does a great job of that.
1: Um, you mentioned earlier about um, the offense, you know, coming together more the last couple of weeks. And I think that is some of the play calling has been different. I've been kind of subscribing to the theory the first six or seven weeks that Eric, the came into the plan and was still sort of calling the one he had with Kansas city, even though the the players are different and the circumstances are different. The offensive line isn't as good or whatever. And after that Giants game, it seems like they collectively had some sort of meeting where they said, we got to make some changes. They, the Two different offensive linemen starters. and It feels like there's been just a lot more quick pass calls for, for, for Cousins. Have you seen or what have you seen, if anything, with changes with the play calling, what the enemy's doing over the last couple of weeks?
2: Well, they've done a couple of things. They changed some personnel in the offensive line, which is good. Um, But the most important thing, I think, like I mentioned early, early in games, he's getting the ball out quick, like on quick screens, receiver screens, back screens, uh, screens of Brian Robinson outside, Terry McLaurin on bubbles or uh, one step slants or one step stork routes, we used to call them. And those are just completion plays they are not big plays, but they are positive plays and they're efficient plays and they're good for the offensive line, they don't have to protect forever, they're good for the quarterback, they're good for the receivers, they're good for everybody, and that's what they've adjusted to, instead of early in games, taking play action shots, and seven step drops, and waiting for guys to clear, and taking a sack, they're now staying ahead of the chains, having second and six, or second and five, and able to do whatever they want, run the ball, drop back, quick game, bootleg, whatever they want, and they also added, you know, they they, they took uh Logan Thomas out at tight end in the run situations, and they brought in the other tight end. And he's doing a much better job. Bates in the run game, which helps out Brian Robinson, which also continues to get positive yards. Their negative play output is a lot smaller now. The last two weeks, and it has been the entire season, and that's huge for an offense.
1: Did you say before the stork route?
2: It's we used to call it one step one step hitch. We called it a stork. I don't know why. I have you no guys, idea. Is ma-
1: come on. You guys, just make. Do you ever just like do? Uh- do an interview with somebody like me and just make up a name of a play and nobody's going to know. And you're just like trying to screw with us. Almost. I believe you, that it was a store crap, but like, I, 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 I
2: hear there's like a thousand different names of these plays. I'm like, what? who's making yeah. these names. If you had an outside zone or a play to the left and Terry McLaurin was lined up to the right, you'd signal to the ground. You'd point to the ground. That was a one-step store route. You just rise up and throw it to him. If a DB was like eight yards off. And he catch it and get seven yards instead of handing it off and possibly losing four, or getting a holding call. You throw it out there and give it to Terry for a seven-yard game. They did that against Philadelphia, I think the third play of the game.
1: Did you what What like I think the Bills have one? It's called like LeBron. Obviously, we hear like Peyton Manning with Omaha. Like, is there a play call, a play name you made? Just like, you know what? I'm just gonna screw with the world. We're just gonna call it this.
2: No, I had a couple. I had well, yeah, our outside screens. We had outside shooters were uh, Larry Burt, or back in the day, we had uh, Steph Curry to the right, Clay Thompson to the left. Those were outside screens. And then Kobe Bryant was a middle screen because he was the best all-around player. I called a uh, oh shit screen for Andy Dalton because he never cussed. So I made him call that one. That was pretty funny. So <laughs> so yeah, we come up some names. You know, when you come up with names, you want them to make sense, but you also want them to make them memorable for the team.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know if the the, the uh, mics ever picked up the oh shit screen, but that's uh that that'd be a memorable one. I, I mean in this era of the social media in particular like that would be amazing if we could hear that one um we're gonna get you back on the in the booth just for the just uh, just for that uh if nothing else um so okay so do you think that like it, it seems like you you know that they, they've kind of maybe found a bit of a rhythm here for 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 Sam he's improving on what he's having to do here's my uh flying the ointment to date according to various strength of schedule, uh sites they have played the easiest schedule to date their wins are over denver terrible defense over the course of the year arizona not very good atlanta is like 24th in like dvoa new england is like the best defense they face this year and they're like 14th the schedule is now about to get harder you got two games up against dallas san fran later they're going at seattle this week coming off a terrible loss but pretty good do you think um I guess wonder how much you think, like, have they gotten by with just not playing a tough schedule so far? Kudos to Sam for making progress, but now comes the real test as these games are about to get harder, at least on paper.
2: Yeah, I mean, they played Philadelphia on the road. He did pretty good against Philadelphia, threw for over 300 yards. Going to New England's never easy. I don't care what their defense is ranked. It's never easy going up there. So they've had some challenges. Every team poses a different challenge, whether it's a front, whether it's a coverage, whether it's a linebacker's. Whether it's a blitz scheme, whatever it might be. Everybody thought the Giants would be a walk in the park, but they came out and blitzed the hell out of them and 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 Washington didn't have an answer. So you have to expect the worst. And Seattle's gonna really come out firing after that blowout loss to to Baltimore. So it's gonna be a tough matchup, especially at it's at Seattle, right? Yes. Yeah, that that's that's always a tough place to play. And, you know, they got Leonard Williams. He's going to be back in the fold. He'll be better for him this week. And uh, Frank Clark will be rushing a passer. Witherspoon's the best nickel in the league, one of them, the best rookie. Could be rookie defensive play of the year. So that'll be a tough challenge for him. But I like the progress that they're making. And that's the most important thing. Whoever you play, you have to continue to make progress. And I think that's what Sam is doing. He's making progress with his decision-making. With his accuracy and an off-schedule plays, he's making plays. He scrambled for a first down on third and 22 last week. Uh, So there's a lot of things that he's doing that are very positive moving forward. He's got to keep it up.
1: All right, so that said, Josh Harris hits you up. Says, Jay, I got a question for you. Whatever I do this offseason, whoever's going to be running the team, I want your take right now. Do I have to worry about going out and finding a quarterback or what you've seen to date is Sam Howe my starter in 2024? Do you have a definitive answer or do you need to see more?
2: My answer is yes. Obviously, we're gonna look at the draft. And if somebody jumps off the board at us, then and he's available, then we'll have to talk about it seriously as a group. If we can upgrade the position, you always look to upgrade it, but I look around the league and I see my elite quarterbacks, my very good quarterbacks, and after that. Sam fits right in there. I mean, and he's, he's a growing and he's getting better. He's young. So heck yes, I'd keep Sam for sure. And I think he's got a chance to develop into what you want. Now there's still seven games left. Like I said, and we'll see what happens because consistency at the position is what you're looking for. And even some of the great ones have their bad games, but we have to look at the product over a 17 game season, see how he does, see how he progresses, see how the team around him progresses. Is he making teammates around him better? Is the players respect them? Do they like him? Which I think they do. Everything I've heard from the players, Terry McLaurin and Samuel and, and the offensive line, they all love this kid. So that's important. So he's got he's checking off a lot of the boxes, that's for sure. So, in my opinion, as we stand right now, I'd say, hell yeah, I'd keep Sam Howell as my quarterback and, and try to get people around him.
1: And that's not even factoring in that he makes no money and he will not make any real money for the next two years.
2: That's a big factor now. <laughs> yeah. That's, no, that's I, I, and then you so, get to make that decision after next year and see how he does and progresses with you know Eric Bieniemy in his second year if he's here and and go from there.
1: So to that end, I was trying to think the other day, like even before the New England game, like is Sam Howell already a top twenty quarterback? And obviously, with some guys like a Bryce Young, it's hard to tell because he's still a rookie. But you know, pick number one, you'd at least have to arguably say, okay, you'd still take Bryce Young, stuff like that. But then you have your Zach Wilsons, your Desmond Ritters you know some of these guys are just not working out let me ask you a couple guys um justin fields right now i mean justin fields makes more money but that aside or with that would you rather have justin fields potential or would you rather go with sam Howell?
2: that's a tough one right there i don't know justin it's hard for me to make those decisions because i don't know what they're like in the building what they're like on the practice field i don't see what they can do i just see what they do on game day and that's unfair um Based on what I've seen on game day, the inconsistency of Justin, I'd probably take Sam Howell right now if I had to choose with a gun to my head. But I would love to work with Justin Fields and his athletic ability as well. But with that athletic ability comes the risk of injuries, and he's been injured a lot. So um, I like Sam Howell's toughness. I like what he's done the last couple weeks, over 300 yards, three times this year, I believe, for his first time starting. I mean, it's – I don't know. It's just tough for me. It's hard for me to choose on that one.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to make you choose another one. How about Brock Purdy? Obviously, he's had more success wins and losses playing with that team. But you know, he was picked after Sam. So, what's your? Well, what do you think about that one?
2: I probably take Brock on that one just because I've seen him do a lot of different things with his anticipation and accuracy. I know he's taking a step back a little bit the last three weeks. Uh, when they get behind, uh, it's hard for them to come. It's hard for Sam to come back when they get behind. And they become one dimensional, right? So. Um, both those quarterbacks need a lead, but I think Brock's anticipation and accuracy probably is a little bit better than Sam, but Sam's more athletic. So um, i probably lean towards Purdy on that one.
1: All right. Um, and guess right. So we'll move on from Sam Howe really quick before I let you go. Um, what else for you has changed as you've watched this team now through the halfway point? What, what, what's been more of a positive, let's just say, from the point that, you know, when we started talking earlier in the year to now um, about this team?
2: I think offensively, they're starting to get in a groove, which I like. I think uh, they've been up and down early in the season. The sacks we mentioned before, some of the turnovers, uh, my biggest concern is the defense still and their consistency. The secondary picked it up a little bit. I know New England doesn't have many good receivers, but it's good to see Forbes step up and make some plays. And Kendall Fuller's playing good. And, uh, you know, I, I just worry about The defense moving forward, but I am excited to watch the offense come out and play and compete. I think they're going to have to, you know, early on in the season, I was saying, hey, Washington needs to win games like 17-14. It's okay to punt, let the defense dominate. Now I think we're starting to flip, and I think we're going to have to start winning games, you know, 27-24, 31-28. We're going to have to be more aggressive with some of these calls on fourth down instead of punting because the defense is, uh, you know, not playing up to their capabilities, in my opinion. But you know, I just, I, I, just like the, I like the way the offense is playing right now. The adjustments they made with the offensive line and, and the tight end, and, and getting Terry McLaurin the ball, and obviously, um, you know, getting Samuel back soon. Hopefully, it'll be okay. But, uh, Jaha, uh, Jaha Dotson is doing a hell of a job now too. So, doing pretty good.
1: Um, and then lastly on the defense, I talked about this earlier in the week, but, um. No doubt you've been asked by all your uh, radio local radio hosts, what did you think of the two trades last week? I won't ask you that necessarily, but you know what somebody had told me in the building was that, especially with Chase Young, that it was an addition by subtraction for some of the undisciplined factors that we've all been discussing. They then go out and play this game, and they hold New England to 17 points, but New England doesn't really have much of an offense, but they get zero sacks. Um, I kind of feel like the addition by subtraction has got to mean... John Allen and Duran Payne are going to benefit from this because they don't have somebody freelancing to their side. They now will have steady guys. Uh wh- what do you kind of see from the Allen and Payne perspective and how important is it that they actually do elevate their games and not just you know, uh, you know, sort of because their their stats here are kind of down. So how do you see that helping them or what do they need to do to so they avoid zero sacks again?
2: Yeah, they they just have to continue to get up the field and rush and, and do their jobs like they're supposed to do and then it helps for Washington to be able to get a lead. You know, sometimes when you're playing from behind all the time and and teams can just run the ball right at you and do the play actions and the quick game and the boots and the quick screens and all that stuff. It'd be nice to force them into third and long sometimes so they can really pin their heels back and rush. You know, they don't really have they haven't had that capability really a whole lot this year third and nine with a 10 point lead five minutes to go in a game let's pin our heels back pin our ears back and rush you know most of the time it's the other team with the lead and they got to play run they got to play double teams so it's very difficult for them to be as disruptive as they can be because of situations uh
1: j u rock is always anything uh anything else going on you you cover the whole league now and your roles uh any uh, anything else you're you're enjoying? Like I, I just talk
2: trash, nobody really listens, doesn't really mean much, but it's just my opinion every now and then. That's all I'm doing. And then playing a lot of golf.
1: I'm sure you paid attention to the Raider situation.
2: Yeah, that's always that was always fun. It's always fun.
1: <laughs> well, that was a, a yeah, an- another wacky thing over there. Um, you rock. I appreciate it, man. Uh go check out Jay. Uh you're everywhere. You go 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 find him on what is it, the 33rd team.
2: 33rd team taking the points jay gruden twitter something like that coach for jay gruden whatever i don't know i don't know you don't have to look for me no biggie
1: i think it's at coach jay gruden we got to get you more followers i don't understand what's going on here um all right jay i appreciate the time as always uh we'll talk soon all right ben thanks This is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories of pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop
0: City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com
2: backslash scoop.